0: Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Toleric Community Church. Lord, your word tells us that the enemy came to kill, to steal, and destroy. But you came that we would have life, and we'd have that life more abundantly. Amen. So let's get right into it. Uh, my The message that I'm preaching today, it says in your bulletin, do good. I've also given it another title uh, called how we should treat others. And I think this is going to be a a great passage of scripture because it kind of drills down into some really basic things that helps us live out the kind of life that God wants us to live out. But let's read the scripture first. It's in uh, first Peter chapter three, verses eight through 12 It says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from good and excuse me, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. May God add his blessing to his holy and inspired word. So we're going to be talking today about this passage in 1 Peter 3, and I just like to give you a context. I, if we lose the context of this passage, we might lose the whole passage. Let me just remind you that this passage was written by Peter, and he was writing this to uh, Gentile Christians. These were Christian people, but they weren't raised Jews. They didn't have all of the Jewish stuff. They're Gentiles, so they're, they're, they don't have it all together in the sense that they didn't know backwards and forwards the old testament they were learning and growing in christ as gentiles so that's who this was written to they were also heavily persecuted they were being made fun of they were being um they were being marginalized if they had a business and they were a christian someone that was not a christian might say well i'm not going to do business with you anymore they were persecuted they were being shot they were being killed they were being persecuted They also lived in a pagan culture. So it wasn't a culture that was, you know, there was a church on every corner. It wasn't a culture that was promoting Christ. It was a culture that was very much against Christ. Peter's encouraging these people with hope, and he's encouraging them with purpose. So when you read it from that context, you understand how valuable these words are to the people that were receiving them. You know, so far in this book, and we're in the third chapter, Peter tells us how to treat others in various relationships. So he's trying to not only encourage them, he's also trying to help them understand how we should treat one another in relationships. In chapter 2, Peter tells us how to treat non-believers. In chapter 2, again, Peter tells us how to relate to the government. How do you relate to the government as a Christian? Also in chapter 2, Peter tells us how to treat our bosses, the people that we work for. And then last week we talked about Peter tells us how to treat our spouses. And remember, what one of the things about last week was that the spouses he was talking to were, were women that didn't have believing husbands. So when they were treating them a certain way, it was so that they could convince their husbands that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. They wanted to impact their husbands for the kingdom. And so they they laid their life down, and they served their husbands. And then the men also that um, were treating their wives, they treated them and were considerate with them, and they were kind with them. And so Peter's saying, that's the way you should live your life. I believe this passage is also a passage... That helps us understand how we can live as a witness, how we can live as a testimony, how we can live our lives in Christ so that we can make an impact for people that don't know Christ. So here we go. How should we treat others in relationships? Peter tells us how we are to treat others as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then also, how do we treat people in the culture? How do we treat people that we're walking with daily? First of all, Peter says, finally, all of you be like-minded. All right, to be like-minded, to be of one mind, to be harmonious. That is to be united in the same purpose and the same goal. Everyone is going in the same direction, right? Everybody likes unity. If you have an organ organization, everybody wants unity, right? If you're on the school board, you want everybody to kind of be going down the same road together. If you're on the church board, you want to have everybody kind of going down the same Road together, you want unity, you want people to be like-minded, harmonious, of one mind. There's nothing worse than a disunified church. Nothing worse. And if you've ever been in one, you know what I'm talking about. But there's nothing better than a unified church, where people are going down the same road together, they're going down the same path, excited about the same things in Jesus Christ. Christians, like snowflakes, are frail. But when they stick together, they can stop traffic. You gotta think about that one for a minute. You're not from the Midwest, so you're like, snow? What is that? What is a snowflake? Hmm. We're to be unified, oneness of mind. Jesus prayed for this kind of unity in John 17. He wants the Christian church to be unified. Going after the same things so that he, so that God's witness will be strong. So how can we have this oneness of mind? How can, how can we, I mean, this is pretty basic, but how can we have this oneness of mind? This will only happen if we submit to the will of God. So our oneness of mind is not about our minds. It's about what is God's will in our lives. We need to seek God's will. If we understand God's will and everybody's doing God's will, we'll have oneness of mind. But a lot of times we get in the way, or I I mean, even in my own life, I get in the way of what does God want because I have my own agenda. You might have your own agenda as well. But God says if you follow my will, if everybody's following God's will, then we'll have one agenda and we'll be of one mind. This will only happen if we are to submit to the will of God. Therefore, we, we all need to make God's will our will. We need to pray for God's will. We have an opportunity to go into our prayer closets or, or to hit our knees and say, Lord, what is your will? What would you like me to do? But not only to do that, but then to have the courage to follow that will. And I understand it's hard to find that will. I understand, you know, you wish God would just you know, call you up or give you a text message and then tell you what that will is. But the way we learn that will is not just by a prayer and a listening, it's also by following what God's will is through reading his word. Because his will is in his word. We all need to make God's purpose our purpose. Even Jesus lived this out in, in John 5, verse 30. It says, by myself I can do nothing. This is Jesus talking. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So the first thing that we can do, if you want to live a lifestyle of how to treat other people, is to be like-minded, to push into God's will, to understand God's will, and to live that out. And I think it can happen, and I've seen it happen in the uh, close to seven years of being here. I've seen a very unified church. We've we've tried really hard to seek God's will, to allow God to be on the throne, to allow Him to be the one that's making the decisions. And we've had a unified church in that way. And because of that, we've been able to do some amazing things for the glory of God. So first of all, be like-minded. Secondly, Peter says, be sympathetic be sympathetic. This means to have compassion, a feeling of distress towards the ills of others, you know, to to have sympathy for someone. It's like if you see someone that's down and out or having trouble or going through a difficult time, you have sympathy for them. It's that feeling we have when we want to help someone that's going through a tough time. So not only to be like-minded, but also to be sympathetic, to be looking at the needs of other people. When we hear the stories of people that are going through tough times, we want to help. That's what it means to have sympathy. An example right now is, as Scott had shared, there's some families in the church. The Hilvers family lost a loved one. The Galswike family has lost a loved one. Pastor Ed has been moved to hospice care. You know, our hearts are sympathetic towards those folks. We want to care. We want to reach out. We want to love them, and we want to care for them. It's a compassion that drives us into action. It's a compassion that causes us to want to care for other people. So not only to be one of the same mind, but also to be sympathetic. Jesus went th- in, in, in fact, Jesus had this same feeling in Matthew 9 verse 35 and 36. It says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and distress. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had sympathy for them. He wanted to care. He wanted to reach out. He wanted to love the same thing that God wants us to do, to be sympathetic towards other people. You know, many of our ministries are based on that sympathy. It's based on that compassion. Why do we do the ministries that we do? because we want to reach into the lives of those folks and give them the hope of Jesus Christ. So be like-minded. Secondly, be sympathetic or compassionate, which leads us to the third one, that Peter goes on and says we need to love one another. You know, you know we, we pass that by so quickly. I'm sorry, you don't pass by quickly. I pass by it very quickly sometimes. To love one another. That's a pretty amazing statement. How do we love one another? I'm not talking about lovable people. People that are lovable are easy to love. I mean, how hard is it to love someone that loves you? What about the people that have hurt you? How do you love them? Somebody that said something about you, slandered your name, or they've hurt you in such a way that you're like, I don't even want to talk to that person again. And God says, I want you to love one another. How about people that don't like you, and you know they don't like you? How do you love them? How about people you don't know? How about people that don't live the same kind of life that you live? How about people from other races? How about people that don't have what you have? How about people that are homeless? How do we love one another? It's kind of a blanket statement, but it's a little bit more difficult to pull it off when you start thinking about all the other things that we can do. God wants us to be the light of the world. God wants us to be different, set apart. And when we love other people, we represent Jesus Christ. We're looked at differently. People say, wow, I can't believe how much that person impressed me by the way they love those other people. This attribute is essential in the Christian life. If we're to convince the world that we're truly Christ's disciples, we've got to learn to find ways on how we can love one another. I think you're doing a good job. I think that many of you are doing a very good job of this, and I'm so impressed with you, and I'm so proud of you as you are involved in ministries where you are loving one another, but it is something we all have to work on. They will know we are Christians by our love. I remember when I was a young boy and we used to sing that I was raised in the Catholic Church And that's a song that we sang in the Catholic Church They will know we are Christians by our love And I still remember that today and I remember thinking to myself How how amazing it would be that I could just love someone else and they would know that i'm a disciple of christ John thirteen thirty five says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another Let me ask you a question Do you love others? How do you love others? Do you love one another? You know, it's our tendency to want to love other people. All right, in our hearts, no one would say, well, I'm not going to love those people. I mean, really, in our heart of hearts, we want to do that. But the reality is when the rubber meets the road and we get into a situation, it's difficult to love one another. And I want to encourage you to push through and continue to find ways to humble yourself and to love other people in the name of Jesus Christ. So be, be like-minded, be sympathetic. Then it says be compassionate. Again, compassionate. This word is actually more like kind-hearted, to be a kind-hearted person. It's the opposite of cold-hearted, where we are insensitive to the needs and the feelings of other people. But it's kind-hearted, even, um, even if we start out cold-hearted, in Jesus we can, we can and must undergo a transformation in which we develop a tender heart. How can we become more compassionate? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes when things are going kind of crummy and I, I'm not in a great mood and I'm not really walking with the Lord and, and I'm not really listening to what he has to say, my heart gets really cold. And I'm not very compassionate to other people. In fact, to be honest with you, it's really difficult when somebody has a need. It's like, hey, i got problems to Go figure it out on your own. In my, I don't say that, but in my mind, sometimes I can get that way. And God says, I want you to be compassionate. I want you to be kind-hearted. And so just like me, maybe you have that same kind of thing sometimes. And God says, I want you to be compassionate. Not only like-minded, not only sympathetic, not only love one another, but to be compassionate. Let me ask you a question. I don't know where your heart is today, but be honest with yourself. Where is your heart of compassion today? Is it there? Are you ready to lean into someone's issues, problems? Are you just too busy? you got other things on your mind. You're too self-absorbed. And I don't know. I'm not... I'm not pointing at anybody here. I'm just kind of living the way, kind of bringing this up because I know how it's like to be in that way. So how can we be more compassionate? Where's your heart today? And then he ends this passage, this little part of this first verse with uh, saying, be humble. So be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate. And then it says, be humble. And this idea of being humble is more to be kind of be courteous towards one another. This word literally means to be friendly of mind or kind. Such courtesy would imply a humility in spirit. For an arrogant or proud spirit doesn't bother to be courteous. If you're arrogant and you're proud and you think it's all about you and something happens, you don't really care. About what just happened because you're thinking about your own self and your own stuff And god says I want you to be courteous I want you to lean down I want you to humble yourself. I want you to crawl into the needs of other people and be humble and loving and sympathetic and compassionate and like-minded If we're all prideful It's almost impossible to be kind and courteous to other people Sometimes we think we're better than other people. You know what that spells? P-R-I-D-E, pride. If we think we're better than a sibling, if we think we're better than a relative, if we think we're better than our neighbors, if we think we're better than our people that work for us, then that is just called pride. And God wants us to get away from that. He wants us to live in a humble way. And I've watched some of you and I've been impressed with some of you that you have been so humble and you've, you've so carefully cared for the needs of other people. It's not about you. It's about how you can care for other people. And I'm so impressed with folks in this church that do that. People that I've seen firsthand become humble in that way. I need to work at that. I, I really believe that God wants us to be humble people. There's nothing more attractive and being around people that are humble and aren't thinking about their own needs and getting their own stuff, but always thinking about other people. I always think of my mother-in-law, who you met a little bit. She was kind of going through some difficult times with her health when she was here, but that woman was the most humble woman I've ever met in my life. And she was always caring for other people's needs. She was always looking into how she could care for someone else it was never about her. It was always about everybody else and anybody that ever went into her house were treated like kings and queens Because she just humbly cared She didn't have to do that, but that's the way she lived out her life for jesus christ So those are five things, but there's six things i'd like to talk to you about today That talk about how we should live how we should treat one another's and that one another and the next one is in verse nine It says, do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, let me just say something. This verse goes against everything in us, if we are honest with ourselves. Right? When somebody does evil to us, what do we want to do? We want to repay that person with evil. God says, I want you to be different. When someone is evil to you, I want you to bless them back. It go, I mean, it's, it's actually crazy to think about how are we going to do that? How is that going to work? When I think of examples in my own life when someone has treated me harshly, the first thing I want to do is, is knock them out when somebody's hurt me. I want to repay evil with evil. This goes against everything in us. By the way, we're called to live a different way. When someone acts evil towards us, we're to respond with a blessing. While this goes against our human nature, Peter points out a couple things here. First of all, he wants us to react in this way. We're called to follow Christ's example when someone hurts us, when someone treats us badly, we're to follow Christ's example. Now, if you think of Christ's example, what did they do to him? Go to Passion Week where they, they beat him up, they uh, pierced him his side, they put a crown of thorns on him, they spit on him, they mocked him. Do you remember that? What did Jesus do back? Nothing. Nothing. It was an amazing thing to watch Jesus go through this. And, you know, if that was you and I, you know, we'd want to go to Dukes with with people if they hurt us in that way. But we're to live Christ's example. Secondly, Peter gives us another reason why we are to react in this way. And that would be that we would receive a blessing from God. So the way we treat other people, we would receive a blessing on top of that. When someone treats us evil and we treat them with respect and honor and humility, then we get a blessing on top of that. So these are six responsibilities that we have with each other. They're part of what constitutes a Christ-like character that we must develop to be his disciples. When we, when we come to know Jesus Christ, when we're saved, when when we give our lives to Jesus, it doesn't end there. That's not the end of God's plan. God wants us to become more like his son. So it's not just about salvation. It's not about getting the fire insurance. It's not about just knowing that I'm going to heaven someday. God wants us to be like Jesus Christ. Now Peter goes on in this passage in verse 10 through 12, and he quotes Psalm 34 almost verbatim.